Hey everyone, Derek Johnson here from Modern Mortgage, and this is the Modern Real Estate Show. I'm going to talk with experts in the real estate industry to help you achieve your real estate goals. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or want to learn how to build out your real estate investment portfolio, you've come to the right place. Let's go. On today's episode, we have Brent Picard from SMG Law Firm here in London, Ontario. Brent is a lawyer practicing in corporate and commercial law, estate planning, and estate administration. And most importantly for today's episode, residential and commercial real estate law. Today we're going to cover divorce and its effect on the matrimonial home. While I hope you do not need this information, I hope you find it informative. Thanks for listening. We're going to kind of talk about an unfortunate topic and divorce and separation, which, you know, obviously is not a fun thing for people to go through. Um, but it happens and people need to know what to do. So I thought this would be a good episode for, for us to do. With regards to the matrimonial home, are there legal differences between a married couple and common law? Absolutely. And the, the first thing I'll say before we get into kind of some of these details, as it relates a little bit more to the real estate side of things is that if if you are having issues, make sure you seek out a, a family law lawyer um, because they'll know all of the ins and outs and and exactly what to do. Um, and then they can do a if you need a separation agreement, they can do that up, get everything ready, uh, and then you can come to me, and we can deal with with the uh, real estate side of things. Um, but in regards to the matrimonial home. The, the big difference and one of the major differences between uh, like a legally married couple and what's termed a, a common law couple would be that the, the legally married couple gets special rights to what they call the matrimonial home. So if you're living there with your spouse and you're legally married, um, regardless of who's on title, so let's say I'm on title and my wife's not, um, she would still have full rights to the property. So she gets to say, yes or no, you can't sell this. Yes or no, you can't refinance this. Um, we need her consent to do anything to this house. If we were just a common law couple, um, rather than the distinction of legally married, then she wouldn't get those rights the same way she would as a legally married couple. And so that's kind of one of the big differences between a common law marriage and a, and a legal marriage in terms of matrimonial home and even the separation of property is the matrimonial home is deemed to be the special piece of property uh, legally. So, Right. So that actually was going to be my next question. So a married couple, one of the parties on title the party that's not on title still has full legal rights within the property. But in a common law situation, if you've only got one of those parties on title, the person not on title does not have those same legal rights, correct? Right. So if you're in a common law relationship, probably best to have both of you on title because that's essentially giving you the same kind of abilities as, as the legal marriage. Um, not to say that common law marriage isn't a legal marriage. <laughs> it just provides different rights pursuant to the Family Law Act, right? Um, the, the matrimonial home, regardless of which one of you is on title, if, if you're not both on title, 
uh, you still have rights in the property and and you need the consent of both parties to be able to deal with the property. So whether it's refinancing, selling, anything like that, you need to have consent of both parties versus a common law couple. If, if only one person's on title, they can kind of do what they want with refinancing, uh, with selling, that sort of thing without necessarily having the other person come in and sign off. Right. Um, so sticking with the, if we have a single person on title, I want to get on the idea of the, the first time home buyer. So let's say you've got a, a couple, they own a house, one person's on title, they go through a separation, uh, and the person that was not on title, you know, they go through a spousal, spousal buyout all this money, they want to go and buy a property. They've got some RRSPs. They've heard about this first time home buyer. They've never bought a home before. Do they still have that option as a first time home buyer? So in regards to the land transfer tax, um, if, if you, as soon as you buy a house, you, you lose your entitlement. Um, but if you're in, in a relationship with somebody and you buy a house and only one of you goes on title, they get the full $4,000 land transfer tax rebate and uh, the other person hasn't used theirs, they could technically buy another property and use that rebate unless they get married while they're living in that property. And as spouses, they would lose their first time home buyers exemption specifically for the land transfer tax piece. Okay. So I had a a potential client approach me recently is in the middle of a separation fairly recent. I think it's been going on for a few months. He seemed pretty frustrated about it, to be honest with you. But, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, that's not an easy time for people. <laughs> no, no, for sure. Um, so going through a, a separation right now does not have a, a separation agreement in place, but wants to buy a house. So contacted me to have that conversation, you know, amazing credit, high income earner, very little debt, you know, on paper, you can buy any house he wants and be fine. Um, but doesn't have that separation agreement, um, which is stopping him from being able to buy a home. Why is that separation agreement so important in the situation? Well, the separation agreement is, is extremely important because that's, what's kind of setting up. Here's how we're dividing the assets that we've accrued during our time together. So, you have part one, which is here's all the assets. You have part two, which is here's the imbalance between us. So maybe one person has to pay the other person some equalization. And then you have uh, another part, which is support. So are there kids involved? Is one person making a lot more than the other? Do they need to help support them to keep them in the lifestyle that they're accustomed to? And without that separation agreement, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what what actual money you have to be able to spend in a month. So I know a lot of lenders are looking for what's the separation agreement say specifically about spousal support, child support, because they're looking at, okay, you have this much coming in, how much of it is going out, what's going to debt, what's going to support obligations, that kind of thing. So with the separation agreement, it just provides a lot of clarity for anybody that's looking to see how much is coming in and what's what's your actual financial status, right? 
So it's, it's very, very important to get that cleared up, make sure that everybody's on the same page, make sure that there's not anything coming out of the woodwork down the line and, and surprising somebody. So it's, it's absolutely key to get that separation agreement done. Yeah. So regardless of the, the financial situation of that person, it's the lenders seeing that uncertainty, right. And, you know, they're not going to loan you $600,000 when there's all that uncertainty. Right. And then they they, want to make sure that, that there's enough money to pay them. Right. 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 And then the other side too, like, let's say you had the option to go buy a house. Like you have all this money, you go buy a house for cash. You don't even need a mortgage still not a good idea because the person you're separating from has full access to being able to take some of that house because the separation agreement is not in place. Is that correct? Well, that may not be entirely correct. Um, Because if the relationships ended, then that may not technically be a portion of what they've accrued during the relationship. Again, best thing to do, talk to a family law lawyer, get that separation agreement in place. And on the flip side of, of all of this, um, what somebody who's looking to buy a home and let's say they've, they've got a fantastic partner with them and they want to buy this place, one's bringing in $10,000, one's bringing in $50,000, it might be worth checking out uh, a cohabitation agreement. Right. Because then you're setting up what happens if this relationship breaks down and the nice thing about doing it then is that people are happy. People are a little bit more agreeable. They're, they're talking about what if, what could happen if this happens, what could happen if this happens. And so maybe that's a, a good way to go if you're in that situation, rather than not do anything, buy the place. 10 years down the road, there's a separation. And then typically in that scenario, there's a little more, bit more animosity between the parties. And so that can make things much more difficult to come to an, an agreement, right? Yeah. And it, it may not even be animosity. It may be more so just the emotions that are involved. Thanks for being on the show today. Um, we had to cover a difficult topic. You know, if you're listening and you're going through a divorce or going through a separation, not a fun time. We realize that probably the best thing you can do, obviously get your family lawyer involved, make sure that separation agreement is in place. Uh, when you have that separation agreement in place, then that's when you can come to myself uh, or Brent for the, for the real estate side of things. And uh, we'll help take care of things, but uh, hang in there if you're, if you're going through this right now and we'll be able to help you out. Uh, Brent, thanks for being on the show. Um, Love to have you on again in the future for maybe a a brighter topic. Uh, (laughs) Thank you for having me. I'd love to come back. Yeah, we'll figure figure something out down the road. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Derek. Hey, one more thing before you go. If you liked what you heard, thought the information was valuable, please share this with your network. I would really appreciate the support. And until next time, may your rates be low and your equity be high.